Welcome to Under the Radar. I'm your host, Sammy Bovitz. The legacies of both Andrew Luck and Cam Newton are very odd right now, but it can be agreed that they were both talented and elite quarterbacks for a while. It's also true that their incredible potential could have been used better on other teams. On this episode of the show, we're yanking Andrew Luck out of Stanford one year early, as he could have gone number one overall had he left. Tonight, we're examining the aftermath of that scenario playing out. So basically, Andrew Luck went number one in the 2012 NFL Draft, but this, but he was a senior, and remember that 2011 season was one of the main reasons he got drafted number one overall, but I think there's a serious argument for even if Luck leaves after a junior that he could have been drafted number one overall. So we're yanking him out of college year early, and we're giving, uh, giving the team that has the number one overall pick the chance to draft Mr. Luck, and that team will be the Carolina Panthers. Um... And obviously, in the original timeline, <laughs> in the original timeline, they take um, Cam Newton. Oh, and just a little disc- this, uh, disclaimer: this is nothing important or not really much of an advisory. But this is the last what else episode of the year. We'll probably we're probably going to bring it back, but just know that we'll, we'll all get to that at the end of the show. But uh, just know this is the last what else episode for the year. Um, so the twenty it was the first pick in the twenty eleven NFL draft. The Carolina Panthers take Andrew Luck. And um, in the original uh, 2011 draft, uh, the Broncos at number two took Vaughn Miller. They were still confident that they could make Tim Tebow something, so they decided to stick with him and still take Vaughn. Uh, the Bills still take Marshall Darius because they're convinced Ryan Fitzpatrick is still their QB. Um, and at number four, uh, we have the Bengals. The Bengals uh, in at the beginning of the 2010s were an interesting, a fascinating team. And, very interesting, and they were led by Carson Palmer, and he was frustrated with the team um, as they continued to just be mediocre to terrible. And Palmer pondered retirement at the beginning of the 2010s, and because the Bengals have such a high pick and that everyone knows that there's uh, luck, uh, luck and in this draft, Carson Palmer goes through with it, and he actually retires. And in his place, they take Cam Newton. Um, and the picks remain the same until the Rams take A.J. Green at 14th. After uh, the Falcons are still enamored with Julio Jones and no one else needs a receiver. Robert Quinn falls to 16th. Ryan Kerrigan falls to 20th. Adrian Claiborne falls to 24th. And Cameron Jordan falls to 30th and to the Jets. Uh, Andy Dalton goes 36th to the Niners. And Colin Kaepernick falls hard, not going until 55 and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and to review, the most impacted teams are the Andrew Luck Panthers, the Cam Newton Bengals, right now, uh, the Rams, who have A.J. Green now, and the eventually uh, Kaepernick Chiefs. So in, so now we have to get to the 2011 season, and I considered this for a while, and this was actually one of the harder uh, things I had to consider when, uh, when, pre- when prepping this episode. In the 2011 season, both Cam Newton and Andrew Luck had great seasons. Cam threw for 4,000 plus yards and 14 passing touchdowns, and Luck threw for 3,500 plus yards and 37 passing touchdowns in Sanford. And it could be argued that Luck, um, had, you know, should have stayed in, in in college, and that that was the right decision. I think it was the right decision because that improved his draft stock. Uh, Luck had, you know, Luck wasn't as good in the 2010 season and really did that year of seasoning. But as that, we're not here to uh, argue. What there was right decision for him to uh, to leave college to, to uh, stay in college, we are just changing his decision. But um, Luck had worse yardage at a lower level of play. 
So we docked the Panthers a win. And I know that might be controversial because Luck was so great in that 2011 college season. But if you really think about it, one, Luck has worse yardage, and two, even though the numbers are fairly comparable, Luck's playing in college, and Cam Newton's playing in the NFL. Uh, on the Bengals, Cam Newton elevates a previously solid 9-7 and Bengals team to another win over the Broncos in Week 2, pushing them to 10-6. Uh, Dalton doesn't start, uh, continuing to sit behind Alex Smith in San Francisco. Um, and the Bengals still get their butts kicked in the wild card. So that's pretty much uh, the 2011 season. Uh, not much changes. Um, I don't think... Just another uh, little uh, disclaimer. We're not going to go all the way to 2020 with this. I tried. There were too many moving pieces. In the future, we may revisit this again, but I just felt that if we kept going for another few years, it wouldn't be worth it. So we're going to go until, I believe, 2014-2015. But, uh, yeah. So we're going to get to 2012 NFL Draft now. Uh, the Colts in the original 2012 NFL Draft took Andrew Luck with the number one overall pick. And it was pretty much a no-brainer. But there were some that believed that Robert Griffin III was a better quarterback. And we know that now, we know now, excuse me, we know now that that is, was incorrect. Although, if you really think about it, Luck's career... Obviously, we could get into Andrew Luck's legacy, and we will at a later time, but Andrew Luck retiring in 2019, early, will forever change the legacy. Of course, that's going, that goes without saying. But if Luck gets drafted to a different team, his legacy changes, the league changes, because Luck was an elite quarterback, and he went to a team that... And then he went to a team that could use it, that could use a quarterback and then had a solid number one receiver in T.Y. Hilton. And then he kept getting hurt. And when he was on the field, he was great. When he was off his game or off the field, they weren't as good. Um, and so I don't think... I think I didn't give Andrew Luck all his injuries in Indianapolis because I don't know how much of it was nurture or nature. But, um, but yeah. But we'll, and again, we'll get to that later. Uh, but in the 2012 NFL Draft, the Colts still need a quarterback, so they don't have and they don't have a choice. So they still need to take RG three, and some in Indy just don't mind the move because, you know, Luck was no longer an option. If RG three is taken number one in the 2012 Draft with Luck still on the board, that's one of the most controversial NFL draft decisions of all time, and it'd probably come back to haunt them, unless Washington ruined uh, Andrew Luck, which is entirely possible. Um, and and then Washington is then faced with the choice. Um, if you remember, Washington took RG3 at number two overall, but they also t- took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round because he was considered to be another one. And they, they thought that, you know, RG3 had the high potential, the high ceiling, but Kirk could be Kirk Cousins could be another option. So they are faced with the choice. Do they take some quiz in their guy, like a Jake Locker or Ryan Tannehill? Or do they wait for the fourth round and take, and take their second choice in Kirk Cousins? And they decide to wait for Cousins, which is... Pretty smart, you know, if you think about it. Ryan Tannehill hasn't had the most glamorous career until 2019, and Jake Lauber obviously left the league in four years, although, again, we don't know if that was nature or nurture. I talked about that in my Titans episode, so, yeah. Uh, so they decide they decided, decided to take uh, Trent Richardson instead, um, who, as many of you know, was a bust on the Cleveland Browns. With a third pick, the Browns decide they, they need receiver help and take wide receiver Justin Blackman. Not a good choice. I'm sorry, Browns fans, but it is what it is. Uh, the Vikings still take offensive tackle Matt Khalil. The Jags don't trade up, and the Buccaneers take Mark Barron at 7, while at 6, the Cowboys still take Morris Claiborne. 
At 7, the Jaguars take the best receiver available, Michael Floyd. The rest of the draft stays the same, except for the Cardinals taking Kendall Wright at 13. The Titans taking A.J. Jenkins at 20. And the Rams trading up in the first round to take Brian Quick at 30, with the Niners taking receiver Stephen Hill at 33. Basically a bunch of meaningless wide receivers that don't have too much of a career. And, um, you know, some other people that, you know, aren't exactly household name get swapped. But I didn't want to do that to be clear to uh, clarify things, although I can't promise that'll be the same for every draft because it is very hard to rework drafts when players just disappear. Anyways, so we have the Cam Newton Bengals, the Smith Dalton Niners, and the Andrew Luck Panthers, and the RG3 Colts going into the 2012 season. And this season, one of the weirdest ever, and now it's about to get weirder. With Andy Dalton being the backup of Colin Kaepernick, the Niners never turned around and fall flat, finishing 8-8. Eight eight. Now I know some of you Bengals fans are Matt, are, uh, Matt, Andy Dalton apologists may uh, may argue with me on that, but I think that Colin Kaepernick's dynamic play and his ability to adapt to the Niners' offense was much better than Andy Dalton. And much better than Andy Dalton. I think Colin Kaepernick in that season was fantastic, and Dalton, I don't think, plays at his level, and so they fell flat. And as some of you may know, Andy Dalton doesn't have a reputation for making team making teams extremely spectacular, taking them past the wild card round. So, um, and you know, honestly, the Niners have a weird situation because they have, on the one hand, they have Alex Smith, who's at number one overall pick, which is also just a safe quarterback, not particularly special, and then their backup is the same kind of guy. So, it is what it is, I guess. And so, the Niners never turn it around, and RG3 runs a short set of luck, uh, but Indy falls to 9-7 because of it. Um, if you remember, Indy really rose fast with Andrew Luck at the helm. But um, And this is a breakout year of Andrew Luck in the NFL in real life. So the Panthers jump to 11-5. And, and on the Bengals, Cam Newton elevates the Bengals to also 11-5. And, uh, and Kaepernick is still languishing as a backup in Kansas City. Uh, Washington Plumas minus the Arctic Dynamic RG3 going 8-8. Eight eight. The Bengals get a date with the Broncos this time around. And the Niners are replaced by the Panthers. And Seahawks jump up a slot in the 2012-13 playoffs. Washington ties with the Giants, but they're still in. Washington still loses to the Seahawks, and the Bengals lose to the Broncos. The Panthers beat the Vikings, but fall of the division round to the Aaron Rodgers-led Packers. The Colts get crushed and knocked out by the Steelers. The Chargers make the playoffs, but they're knocked out just as quickly. The Ravens still go to the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, but this time they are not met by Kaepernick and and the Niners. This time they are met by the Packers. And in this universe, we never have to acknowledge Joe Flacco as a Super Bowl champion. And this one's kind of personal. I just don't think Joe Flacco should have ever made a Super Bowl champion. Uh, I mean, even so, Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback than Joe Flacco ever was. Um, but uh, in this world, Joe Flacco never became a thing. So, you know, take that as you will. Uh, in the 2013 draft, despite my best efforts, no notables changed hands. The thing about these what-ifs is that I do try to in, in, instill some intrigue into them, but sometimes I am just stretching. So, you know, you look at the 2013 NFL draft, and you think about guys, you know, there's, you know, in any draft, almost any NFL draft, there's there's uh, pro bowlers and people that will change the game. Obviously... This is this draft isn't as deep. You still have guys like Ziggy Yonsa, Lane Johnson, Shelton Richardson, Eric Reed, uh, Glebe Rhodes, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, Le'Veon Bell, obviously, uh, Zach Ertz, 
players like that change could change hands, but that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey. I, think I might have mentioned Kelsey already. Anyways, I tr- I tried my hardest to make notables change hands, but one, I don't think they'd be as important. And two, if I just put Le'Veon Bell on whoever, I don't think it would change this what if scenario that much. So enough of me rambling on that, and on to the 2013 season. In 2013, the Bengals rocket to a 13 and three season. Kirk Cousins is still developing in Washington, so he sits for now, and they still go three and thirteen. Uh, in Indy, the ones breakout Colts plummet to six and ten, in large part to a terrible season from RG three, as many of you probably know. The rapid ascent and just as rapid decline of RG three is still a thing in this in, in this uh, in this universe. RG three is a fascinating player, and a lot of people just kind of want to make fun of him, which is fine. I can understand why you want to make fun of players, but I think RG3's story in Washington is very interesting. Um, and really, the story of people like him, uh, these like running quarterbacks that try to change things, but ultimately just fall apart for some reason. You think about guys like Vince Young, Kaepernick to a certain extent, although he's not really a running quarterback. He's both, um, you know, with running and, and, and passing. You know, Vince Young obviously ran a lot. Um, and again, this is something that's been touched on by many other people. It isn't exactly an under-the-radar topic, but I always found it interesting uh, that RG3 did something like this, or, you know, had that sort of rise and fall, though I kind of think it was inevitable, so I kept it here. Also, it was more convenient. Um, the Chiefs decided to, to start Kaepernick, but not much changes. They will be terrible for the next five years, and they instill a revolving door veterans, including still Alex Smith, and yes, much as I try, the Chiefs still get Patrick Mahomes down the line in this world. The Andrew Luck Panthers also jump up to 13-3. and three. In the 2013 postseason, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the Cam Newton Cincinnati Bengals, honestly, I would love to see Josie swaps of uh, Cam Newton and Andrew Luck in Bengals and Panthers uniforms. That'd be fascinating. Anyways, um, the Bengals take the number one seed from the Patriots, which made the Broncos fall to the three seed where they easily handled the Chargers. In the NFC, play, on the NFC side of the bracket, uh, the Panthers also now the one seed due to their 13-3 record, and they take it from the Seahawks. This means that we eventually have conference championships of Bengals-Patriots in the AFC and Panthers-Seahawks in the NFC. The Patriots crushed the Bengals due to Bill Belichick's savvy, but the Panthers and Andrew Lux, Andrew, Andrew Lux, Andrew Luck, <laughs> saw the Legion of Boom, meaning our Super Bowl 48 matchup is Patriots-Panthers. And it's a close game. It's a, clo- a close game. And luck gives it his absolute best. But the Panthers' defense is simply not good enough to contain Brady. Back to the drawing board after the Patriots' fifth ring coming a year early. In the 2014 draft with the 10th overall pick, the Indianapolis Colts decide they need help with receiving and blocking and take Eric Ebron. The Vikings still take Anthony Barr, uh, linebacker, and the Lions are left with LSU wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., the Giants take Brandon Cooks instead, and no other notable changes occur. In the 2014 regular season, the Panthers go 13-3 and in a weak NFC South, while the Bengals jump the Steelers on route to a 12-4 and record and the AFC North title. The Colts have no choice <clears throat> but to keep starting RC3, plummeting to 4-12, and while Washington posts the same record without him. The 49ers go 9-7 and with Andy Dalton at the helm, I'm not joking. I looked at their schedule. Nine and seven jokes are mainly for the Titans. 
In the 2014 postseason, the Panthers are again the one seed, and again they run the gauntlet to the Super Bowl. The Patriots are there to greet them, and again they send them packing. And that's where we're gonna, and that's where this uh, what if leaves off because I kept looking at these scenarios, and you think about it, you know, I changed the face of Super Bowl 49-50. I think, you know, if we're just gonna make stuff up here, which is kind of the point of this, if Super Bowl 50 still happens the way it does, and the Broncos and Peyton Manning, you know. Still go to the Super Bowl, you know. Still go to the Super Bowl and are met by the Panthers. Does Andrew Luck win instead of win instead of Cam Newton? I don't know because you know you think about it. On the other, on one hand, Andrew Luck is better than Cam Newton in some respects. On the other hand, Cam Newton wasn't was the 2015 NFL MVP and rightfully so. He carried the Panthers to a 15 to one record. Does, does Andrew Luck make the Panthers 16 to no? I don't think it's this, I don't think it's a fair comparison because they're two different quarterbacks with two different sets, you know, styles of play. And while I wanted to carry this what if into 2020, um, and, you know, the draft and, you know, possibly beyond, I just don't know if it's realistic because if you think about it, you know, Ron Rivera has to change his way of coaching. Um, Marvin Lewis, I guess, has changed his way of coaching, although he does more on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive, uh, just in general, because, you know, he came up as a defensive coordinator. And, you know, how much does Andy Dalton's legacy change? Is he just there? What about Colin Kaepernick? Does he sit? Uh, does it, and if he, if he does, does it mean as much? I think their legacies definitely change a ton. You know, Andrew Luck's on the Panthers, Cam's on the Bengals, Dalton's on the Niners, RG3's in the Colts, Washington are stuck waiting. Does Kirk Cousins, you know, still still make his rise in Washington and get, and get overpaid in Minnesota? You know, part of Kirk Cousins' ability to you know, be the good starting quarterback or good starting quarterback uh, Washington wanted was that he got to sit behind RG3 for a few years, not to learn from him, obviously, but to learn what he could do better. And um, I guess he's, to a certain extent, learning from RG3. And again, I don't, I don't, I think RG3 is fascinating. I don't, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not what people would call a hater of RG3. I just find that, you know, they're, the two of them are very different quarterbacks in there. And, you know, one is, one is, and to a certain extent, Nothing without the other because their stories feed into each other's. Um, you know, how does this affect Andrew Luck's legacy? Does he retire early? Has he had to stick it with the Panthers? Does he leave for another team at free agency? Uh, what about Cam? What does he do on the Bengals for 10 years? If he still becomes a free agent in 2020, what then? Is he as, is he as precious? Does he get treated sooner? What do the Bengals decide to do? What happens to Joe Burrow? Um, you know, obviously, what about Kaepernick? I know not much changes here. Uh, because the Patri- you know the Patriots get six Super Bowls in 2014 somehow. I-, I love how in this what if scenario the Patriots are the ultimate winners. Like, anyways, but uh, I know not much changes here. But I think the system fits kind of under kind of our, uh, reflect that. Um, this is probably one of the shortest and not the shortest episodes we've had all year, mostly because uh, one. I should have started the launch the What If series earlier and had more time to research them, because if you think about it, the KG Paul Pierce Nets trade, the, re, the you know, and the the Josh Allen ones, and really, and really the redraft were good, but the last couple I felt were a little rushed. Although I did really love making the the LeBron uh, keeping his talent in South Beach is one I wanted to make for a long time. Uh, next year, What If we'll butcher we'll with five more episodes, but um, and they're going to be much. You know, they're doing much better research than 
I'll come up with some better scenarios. I know this one this one was a little shorter, but I needed to take a little bit of a lighter episode. I was considering taking this week off, but I know uh, all of you at, <laughs> at home uh, need something to get you through, and I want to keep making the show for, you know, make it, make it as planned, go through the season um, for all of you. Uh... Obviously, what ifs will return. I don't know if I addressed this last week with Swifty, but obviously, let's talk about what will return with five new episodes. Tragic Histories, which has probably been my most popular series of the three new ones, and I'm really happy happy about that because I do a lot. Those take a lot of work, and but I do love the results. Uh, that last one, I believe, we're going to have a collaboration on that next week, and then we have the special project, and then we're going to have a bunch of season previews and free agency previews and all that stuff to close out the year. Probably preview the last, the next few episodes for a while now, but I'm really excited for, yeah, the last five episodes this season. This has been a season, this has been a fantastic season, we're not quite done with it yet. What else will return? Uh, let's talk about it, and Tragic Histories will return. And, of course, May 24th is the special project featuring the Washington Generals, so be prepped for that. And for Under the Radar, I'm Sammy Bobitz. Good night.